Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast. We are very excited about today's call, but before we begin the interview, we have Jesse Ledoux, our queen of coaching, with our product of the week. Jesse, tell us about the product that you discovered. So this product came about through a VIP member's question. She had just finished competing for one particular pageant, and she was looking to dip her toe in yet another, which, of course, any pageant girl knows, once you try one, the bug gets you. So she was asking, how does she find another pageant opportunity? So I thought this was a great opportunity for us to feature um, our Find a Pageant tool through our directory. Uh, So the Find a Pageant feature of our website, which you can access at thepageantplanet.com, or pageantplanet.com, is you can search a pageant based on your location, your date of birth, not just your age, because we know that those contracts can uh, vary by division and by system, uh, and your interest. So perhaps you don't want a pageant that features swimsuit, or perhaps you uh, want to make sure that there is definitely talent in the system that you're looking for, and it will generate automated, personalized results based on those features. Now, out of this, I mean, it sounds like it's very much just a directory. So what stuck out to you the most as far as usability of this feature? And I mean, as a former contestant yourself, what stuck out to you is like, oh my gosh, love this part of of the find the pageant feature. Well, the best part is how personalized the results are, because we know not one pageant fits all. It's based on the values, um, the various... Uh, divisions of competition. Um, So being able to really pick and choose what you excel at most and what you identify with is is really something special that nobody else has. And in addition to that, the other feature, um, because as I mentioned, sometimes pageant contracts are very confusing when it comes to age cutoffs, but we are the only feature online that allows you to enter your birth date and compare it with that particular pageant's restrictions um, and age guidelines. Now, can you, if let's say if you're married or if it says like, do you have kids or if you're a male or female, all of those types of people can find pageants for them in this directory. It's not just for like the miss and the teen. Is that right? Oh my gosh, absolutely. This directory is for folks of all ages, all pageant experiences, all divisions, all demographics. Um, so it works pretty well for just about anyone. And like great, mo- um, great point there, Stephen, because some contestants, um, they either are married or they have a child. Um, and this can help you weed out those pageants as well. And um, like, is it just restricted to the United States? Is it, does it include like Philippines or UK? I mean, all of that too? So because many of the pageants are uh, user-generated, so that means a a pageant director can actually go in and enter their own pageant. So there's no restrictions as far as location. It can be as granular as local um, to state to national and to international. So there's no limit. Um, So that's a great point, too, is that if you're a contestant competing for a pageant and you find that your pageant is not listed in our directory What better way to show that director that you have initiative to be a spokesmodel for their organization and you're looking to recruit other contestants for them is to reach out and say, hey, I noticed that our pageant is not listed on the Pageant Planet resource for the pageant directory. So um, here's how you can do that. Free and simple. That's awesome. So it is free. Um, Are are there paid options too? I mean, I, I would assume. Oh, absolutely. There are paid options that go further as far as sponsorship and promotion within the pageant planet, um, article features and other means. Um, but at the bare bones, it's absolutely free just to get your pageant listed. And for, like I said, many of our VIP members, that's the first place they go when they're looking for vendors or pageants. So great. Jesse, thank you so much.
Thanks, Stephen. Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Sarah Wall Beckman was the very first Miss International. She has judged numerous pageants at the local, state, and national levels. Sarah has held titles in both Miss America and the Miss International pageant systems. And she is a pageant coach who specializes in interview. And she is here to tell us how to set yourself apart in private interviews. So Sarah, welcome to the call. Thank you, Stephen, so much for having me on. Oh, 100%. And for those of you that don't know Sarah, I've had an opportunity to kind of get to know her over the course of uh, the past two or three weeks. Amazing human being, just really just great personality, as I know that you'll see throughout this interview. So, um, Sarah, the, the girls that listen to us, they're listening to us for one thing, one reason only. They want to figure out how they can succeed in pageantry. So doing that under the topic of interview, let's say, um, what's the best way for a girl to really mentally prepare for her private interview? Absolutely. I think it's a combination of two things. I think the most important thing is to feel confident that you've done your pre-work ahead of time, that you know yourself inside and out, and that you have developed a platform that you feel really proud of and confident in. And then, and I hope we can go into detail in some of that, but then also mentally being ready to just sort of having your mindset to a good place before you go in. So I'd love to talk about more of those in depth. Yeah, dive right in. Like how far away from their pageant should they start preparing? How do you suggest that they tackle those different points that you mentioned, et cetera? I, I love even a year ahead of time or at least six months. I think that that gives you a chance to really develop a great business plan for your platform. If you're in a platform pageant and if you're not still even just developing things that you can tell the judges that you've done and that because the best, what is it? Dr. Phil says something like the best indicator of future performance is past performance. So you want to go into the interview with some accomplishments under your belt so that you can say, this is the kind of person I am. This is what I want to do. So I think the first thing is knowing yourself and uh, knowing what sets you on fire, you know, what, what makes you come alive when you talk about it. Uh, I have a friend and she loves organic food and she thinks everybody in the world should be eating organic. And I am so thrifty. I have a really hard time buying organic, but every time we get together, she tries to convince me. And that is her calling, you know, and it's different for everyone. I think whatever makes you come alive is what your platform should be, what you speak on. And I love it all the more, even if it's sort of outside the box or not been done before. I think that's really exciting. So, so finding your platform cause, knowing your personal why you are running in a pageant, I think is so important too. And I give Susie Boots credit for this. She's an incredible pageant coach. And, and especially in the international system, I think she coaches in all systems, but but she talks about in her book, knowing your personal why. And I think that is so key too, knowing why you are running in the pageant in the first place for yourself, what you want to gain from the experience, personal development, and then also why you're doing it for other people. Uh, she says, if you're not, if you can't articulate to the judge clearly why you should win, then 
you've entered the page, you've entered the interview room completely unprepared. And so I think if you just know these things, your passion, your why, and then finally with platform development, this is so important too. And I love to help my clients get to real specifics about what they want to do with their platform instead of sort of speaking in generalities. I think it's so impressive to the judge when you say, I want to do this for this amount of money or this many people reached. It's so clear and convincing that you should be the winner. So I think knowing those things, knowing yourself, knowing your why, developing your platform is so key. And then some of these mental tricks too that are so important too are something that you should think about beforehand. So you mentioned a lot about passion. Like, How can a contestant find her we'll call them selling points and actually Mm -hmm. convey that to the judges. Absolutely. I think knowing yourself is so key. And sometimes it's hard to know ourselves because we're right in front of our own nose, right? Like it's hard to see yourself sometimes. So I think a great coach can reflect back to you and can say, you know what? You're really special in this area. Do you know that you're so extraordinary in that? Or ask your mom or your best friend, and they can tell you what really stands out about you. I found a quote on the internet that I just adore. I love this. Listen to this. And I think this is a great way to get to know yourself. It says, close your eyes and imagine the best version of you possible. And it says, that's who you really are. So let go of any part of you that doesn't believe that. And it's by somebody called C. Assad. And I have no idea who that is, but this quote I think is so powerful. Just, And I think so often we limit ourselves too. We think, oh, no, no. And it's kind of like humility, but it's limiting. The world needs you to be at your best. And so why not just allow yourself to see your best version and then go believe that, go do that, aim towards that. And so that is who you really are. That's what you want to convey to the judges. And that's, that's what you want to own for yourself too. Yeah. And I know that for me, failure has been one of my greatest teachers and for Mm. girls listening, like heartache can also be like an amazing teacher because you're so vulnerable at that stage. Like you really start to do a lot of introspective, like, just self-analysis. What am I doing here? Like, what do I really want out of life, et cetera? And you'll find that a lot of the times when you start to do this, your friend circle will change because Mm. you, your friend circle is keeping you where you are right now, whether you like that or whether you don't like that reality, it's, it's the truth. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to evolve into um, a higher version of yourself and you start to expect mm. more out of yourself, well, your friendship circle has to change because they're right. your, they're your, um, they're the ones that's keeping you there. So taking that time, as you said, to read the books, to talk to a coach, to say, and allow them to help you self-diagnose is awesome. Now, when they discover that about themselves, how do they convey that to the judges inside of the the interview room. Absolutely. I think that it's so important to show the judges different side of yourself. And that is a secret key because it makes you memorable. 
it's something like going on a roller coaster ride within the interview, which sounds like a bad thing, but I think it's so winning to show the judge that you're funny, that you don't take yourself too seriously, but that you're so confident and that you can tell a story that can break their heart and, but then bring it back up and make them laugh again. And so I think as far as showing facets of yourself, it's important to go into that interview knowing I'm a compassionate person. I am really witty. I am great at math. I think it's important to, to show them the different sides of yourself and what makes you more than two-dimensional, what really makes you pop by having that, that variety, that contrast. Now, should a contestant plan specific points she wants to get across before walking into the interview room? Absolutely. I think that it, this should all be planned out ahead of time. And this is just good homework, knowing how to s- sell yourself sounds so negative, but how to really market yourself. Uh, so you should know not only sides of yourself that you want to make sure that you get across to the judge, but that also with your platform how you're going to market that. Mm. And, but since they're having a plan before they walk into the interview room, how can they avoid sounding rehearsed when practicing like the answers? I am a big fan of starting a word document or one note or whatever the kids are doing these days (laughs) and uh, write down all the questions that intimidate you that you think this might come up in the interview and write down bullet point answers. And I want my clients to write down bullet point answers because I want them to think in concepts and not in sentences. Because if you are speaking sentences that you've practiced over and over, it does sound rehearsed. And sounding rehearsed will make the judges distrust you. They'll think, well, she's just memorizing things. So how can I trust her to be my title holder? And to speak off the top of her head at an appearance. So to, to work on doing bullet points, and I recommend doing three different bullet point answers under each question, because then you can forget two out of the three on the actual interview day, and one of them will pop up in your head. And then you can deliver a natural flowing sentence with that concept that popped into your head. Yeah, I mean, and I've always thought, like, as it pertains to interview, it's, what what is it that's going to make you most memorable and obviously the most interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, and we all like for me, maybe it's just because I'm 35 now and I've been doing this for a while, but I know the different facts about my life that people are like, well, that's interesting. I never knew that. And then they would mm-hmm. ask me more about it. So in a social setting, if the conversation's lolling or whatever, like I'll just one always talk about the other person and mm-hmm. just a networking s- scenario because that person's favorite topic in the world to talk about is themselves. Right. Um, <laughs> can't always do that in the interview, but, um, but the thing is when they turn it back around to you in like that networking setting, if they ask you, what do you do for a living? Some like for me being a, a blogger in the industry of pageantry that's pretty unique like in social settings so um that is a is a fun point uh, and it engages a lot of conversations but we all have those different things about us maybe it's your you know maybe you have a bunch of sisters or a bunch of brothers etc but um 
yeah, knowing those things, putting those bullet points, it's so easy. So few people do it, though. Mm -hmm. Something I'm kind of in love with right now, too, Stephen, in the idea of interview is that it's about how you make the judge feel right? Like so often we're worried about the timing and, oh, there's not enough time to ask the judge a question or there's not enough time to shake hands or, but I don't, I think we should take a look at that and just consider the whole point of this is how you make the judge feel, right? Like one of Maya Angelou's quotes that I love is she says that I've learned that people will forget what you said and people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. So what if, what if we do shake hands in a one-on-one interview? I wouldn't recommend it for panel because it takes up too much time. But for a one-on-one, maybe that's really key to show connection, to handle yourself in a business-like professional way, and to maybe even ask the judge a question. I know that this is about getting to know you, but if you're on a topic about children, wouldn't it be amazing if the pageant contestant said, do you have children? To the judge, that little gesture would say, I care about you. I'm interested in you as well. And I think that that would leave an impression on the judge. Oh, completely. Because that simple question, do you have children? Yeah, I've got two. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. but I mean, if the judge said that mm-hmm. and then the the contestant went right into her answer, it's like, oh, wow, that's awesome. So you'll know what I mean when I say fill in the blank. Um, And another thing that I like is if a, especially a novice judge, because you know who the novice judges are. Most of the time you have that sheet and they tell you Mm -hmm. this is a novice judge. The judges in in a panel style, the judges are just as nervous as the contestants for the first few because the judge doesn't want to appear silly in front of his or her peers. And the novice judge, especially, especially because the novice judge is usually a straight guy. So, (laughs) And like one, he feels completely out of his element in front of the other judges because he's like clearly, and they say, this is the novice judge, basically like this is a guy that doesn't know what's going on. And Mm -hmm. two, like all these really pretty girls are coming in and he's having to ask them a very public question and he doesn't know anything about the industry. He doesn't know if this question is stupid or if it's the greatest question of all time. So he's a bit insecure so right. regardless of what he or, I mean, hypothetically, she asks you as a novice judge, if you just say, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. And then you answer it. That's going to like, oh, wow. Okay. That, right. Okay. It's going to really affirm him and it'll probably help him like score you better on the, on the right. spreadsheet. Absolutely. And isn't that the kind of title holder that you want? out there too. I think interview is such a window to what kind of person are you going to be when you have that crown on your head and you're representing the pageant. So just those things of making everyone in the room feel important and making that judge feel important is such a great indicator of who you'll be. Now, what are some examples of a generic answer that should be avoided at all costs? I think this is the biggest thing I've stumbled onto. And Generic answers are just, I think they're killers. I think they are pageant cliche and they, if, so I have gotten really passionate about SMART goals and I've borrowed this from the business world and SMART goals are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, 
and timely goals. So SMART acronym. And this is what I want my clients to work on. This is what I think we as a pageant industry should work on with our platforms, with ourselves. Because, and I've written down an example. So a generic answer, let's say your platform is Compassion International, right? Where they sponsor children all around the world. And a generic answer would be, I would like this opportunity to spread awareness to the public that they can impact the lives of children, right? Typical pageant answer, right? Right. And, but what if the next contestant came in right behind that generic answer contestant and said, if you award me the title of blank, the attention that comes with the crown will be used to advertise the fundraiser event I have scheduled on March 25th to benefit Compassion International and spotlight children who are waiting to be sponsored. Ticket sales will also help me raise funds for my trip in July to go to the Dominican Republic so I can share on social media through my blog a great impact that Compassion International is having on children and families down there. Right? Like that contestant's going to blow it away. Right. The judge is not going to... I mean, they're basically, you're going to win interview and they're going to look at the rest of the pageant as a formality, you know, evening gown swimsuit. (laughs) They want you to win because they know that if the crown is on this girl's head, she's going to go win. So I think setting smart goals and being specific, telling specifics, say the state you're going to, say the date it's on, say the person's name that you're working with in the organization. It proves that you're not fake. Because I think sometimes even girls who aren't fake, they can generic out and they forget to give detail in interview because they think, oh, that will take too long. But then the judge doesn't know if you're the real deal or if you're just saying a pretty sentence. So I'm a big fan of setting smart goals and saying smart goals inside the interview. That's great. I love it. Now, is there such a thing as too much interview practice, especially if you're starting a year out like you first suggested? <laughs> I, well, you're asking an interview coach and a pageant coach here, so I'm going to say never. no. I, <laughs> never. <laughs> but I think, I think there's a natural curve that happens with pageant queens. And this was certainly my experience too, is that when you start out, you are so natural and it's so winning the way you, you just answer from your heart so naturally. And then I think you start to learn the culture of pageantry and you learn that, well, I should only say positive things and I shouldn't say, um, and you know, et cetera. And then you become sort of that over-practiced, your answers can sound more robotic. And then the next half is coming back to natural and realizing, oh yeah, I should just say what's on the top of my head. I should just trust myself. And so I think there's that natural sort of arc that happens in in interview preparation. But I also think that mock interviews are so key because you should seek out mock interview judges that intimidate you. If you know I feel uncomfortable interviewing and giving eye contact to 65-year-old men or the personal trainer or the sharp businesswoman, Go seek out somebody like that and ask them, would you help me prepare for my interview? And they're going to say, yes, people like to be the interviewer. Nobody likes to be the interviewee, but everybody likes to interview and uh, practice with that person so that 
the, the point is on the real day, on the interview day, it's easy. You think you've built so much confidence in I've done this before. I've talked to this kind of person. I'm ready. And what you said is it's so true. When girls first start, it's usually out the gate. They experience success, top 10, whatever. And then the next two or three years, I, I can't. I can't get into top 10 or even top 15 at this point because they're too much in their head. And they're not just trusting the flow of the conversation. Um, and then they come back around where if they take your advice and do what you're saying and they give themselves that year, they can just go through all those peaks and valleys in a practice setting. So when the pageant comes, they'll crush the learning curve and they'll right. do great. That's really great advice. Right. Now, does interview strategy need to change between panel and round robin styles? And if so, how? I think they absolutely are different. And I think that the round robin style is nice where you sit down with the judge across the table because you can make more of those personal connections. You can ask that little question to the judge. Uh, it's more of a let me share with you kind of feeling in that interview. The panel setting is also really fun and really impressive because it shows how can I handle myself out on the road? How can I handle myself taking questions from an audience? And But I think the key to doing panel well is to show that you can take care of the room, that you are the host of the room, that every person on that panel you are giving respect to, you are putting out warmth from your eyes, from your soul, and taking questions and, and pacing. I think the contestant needs to pace the panel interview. If the judge is asking a question quickly, if they're speaking quickly, you don't need to. You just keep answering in your nice Michelle Obama pace. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you are the one who's in charge of that room. So I think in the personal interview, you can bounce back and forth. It's more friendly and you can use that to your advantage to make it more of a relational connection in a panel setting. You are more professional and, uh, and entertaining the whole room. Now this is, this is different from what I'm used to. <clears throat> I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm just, it's, it's different, which is good. So if a judge is asking a fast-paced question, I'm like you, I'm more of a slow talker, I feel like for the most part. But with, I've always been taught to kind of mirror and match. Mm -hmm. like, so if the judge is asking a quick question, then you would want to give a back a more of a, a speedy answer. Um, but you're saying, no, just basically stick to your guns. Oh, again, this goes back to variety. I love variety in the interview. I think there should be times when you are speaking fast, when you are full of passion. Maybe this is about you sharing facts about your platform and you're, you're trying to get across how important this is. And come on, guys, let's rally. Let's do something about this. But then there are other moments where you should talk so slow. And something wonderful that I learned from my pageant coach, Sherry Kennedy out of Minnesota. She's, she's an amazing pageant coach and just a phenomenal person. But she told me that silence is powerful and that silence booms. And so there are sometimes after you say a fact or statistic that 
you leave a bit of silence. And it gives the judges a moment for their brain to catch up to what you said. Or you, you leave a moment of silence right after you tell a really heartfelt story so that you can tell that the judge got it, that they heard it. And if you see the judge's face change, like they give you a wow face or they give you a, a pain face after they've listened to your story, you know that they've absorbed what you said. So, so watch their faces. Use pace to your advantage so that you know that you're making an impact in what you're saying to that judge. Yeah, and I even, at times, when I ask a tough question inside the interview room, if the girl pauses and then answers, I feel like that shows confidence versus her trying to fill in that gap with filler words just to hurry the answer. But if she just pauses and then answers, then I totally respect that. Absolutely. Aren't the most confident people, they're fine with silence. Mm-hmm. And the most jittery people want to fill it in, just like what you're saying. That's so good. Now, what's the best way to make a first impression immediately after walking into the interview room? And we'll do this both panel style and one-on-one. Absolutely. I think that, and you know what I'm noticing? I'm noticing that I'm saying absolutely too much. So I would change that in future interviews. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think the most important thing, is to put on the warmest smile before you walk into the room. You put it on before the door even opens because then when you come in and they see you a lot of times in a lineup with the other contestants as you walk into the interview room or if you're walking in by yourself for a panel, that's their first impression of you. They are at ease with you. They can tell you're going to have fun. The warmest smile you can beam out is the most important thing. The other thing I think you should do at least 15 minutes to a half an hour before the interview is warm up. Call your coach, call your mom, or tap another contestant on the shoulder and say, hey, could we ask each other questions? You need to speak the answers out loud. You can think answers, but it's not the same as getting your mouth working, getting the answers out. Make sure you're warming up and, and practicing some questions, even if they're as simple as, What's your middle name? What's your address? Just start with those so that you don't think, oh, how am I going to do this? That's a really hard question. Just get your mouth working, get your brain and your mouth connected and working together. Love that. And I also feel it's your mental prep game too. Like Mm. what you believe about yourself. Mm. I always use the analogy. When somebody walks into the room, and we've all had this happen to us when we look to that person who just walked in the room, like, I don't know what that person does for a living, but they are somebody or yes. they're wealthy or I wonder what they do. It, you have those kind of feelings and it's something internal about them, their belief about themselves, whether that's just organic that they've created or that life has somewhat rewarded them with something that they've come to believe. But if you believe that about yourself walking in attached with the big smile and you know, warming up and all the other things, I really feel like that makes a powerful impression because you talk to a lot of judges and they say, I knew she was the queen when she walked in the door. It's mm-hmm. just like, I just knew there was something special about her. How do they know that? Like how, right. before you even ask the first question, like how? 
and they had to have known that because she knew it about herself and she was just waiting for everybody else to come to the same conclusion that she already did. I love that. Stephen, can we go down a rabbit hole with this direction? Yeah, absolutely. For a second? I love this. And I want to tell any listener that's listening that they need to go listen to this TED talk right away. I have every single one of my clients listen to this TED talk and it's by Amy Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y. And it's your body language shapes who you are. And you can, you can thank me later, but this, <laughs> this is pageant gold. So go listen to that TED talk. It's about maybe 20 minutes long. And it's just, it's so powerful about exactly what you're saying, that body language communicates so much. And I, I don't have this off the top of my head, I promise, but I've written down something that I wanted to share too about 55% of communication is nonverbal, right? And so Dr. Albert Morabian was his name, and he conducted studies on nonverbal communication. He found that 7% of any message is conveyed through words, right? So 7%. And we get so twisted up in our heads about what words am I saying? How should I answer that question? That's really not the game when it comes to interview. The game is that 38% of communication is through your vocal elements, how you're answering the question. And then 55% is through nonverbal elements, such as facial expressions, gesture, posture. So something that to think about is what if you were being interviewed in a pageant interview over the internet and let's say it's through Skype and they would only see you, but the sound stopped working <laughs> and all the contestants were interviewed without sound. Could you win the pageant if there was no sound on your interview? Mm -hmm. And you do that through this 55% plus 7% or sorry, plus 38%. That's a lot higher percentage than the 7% of what your words actually are. So I think this is, you are exactly right. This is so important, body language, communication, and in the interview. That would be an interesting optional for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, how can personal stories really enhance your interview? Stories, I think telling a story in an interview is probably the most powerful thing you can do because you can push information out, you can push facts out, statistics, but stories draw people in. And in order for people to be convinced that, that you are the one they should pick, a lot of times people are one to your cause by feeling like they came up with it on their own rather than trying to be sold to or convinced. And a story gives people space to form their own opinion from the story. and. So I think that that is the most effective thing you can do is tell a personal story or tell a story from your platform. Is there such a thing as oversharing an interview? Maybe like telling too much? <laughs> yes, but with the caveat that if it's related to your platform, then no. If you can do it in a way that is professional still that, and I think it's even okay for your eyes to water if this is something that's been painful in your past, but you, I don't want you to cry or appear out of control. It's certainly okay to show your heart when you're telling something really important, maybe that happened in your life. 
But do it professionally. Practice so that you can communicate it professionally. Uh, With heart, with emotion, but still professionally. And as far as oversharing goes, I think something that I want to get across to is that everything that comes out of your mouth in an interview should point to the fact that you are the right person to choose. And so if it's not related to that purpose, it doesn't belong in your interview. Every answer should point to a facet of your personality again or a reason why you should be picked. So don't overshare if it has nothing to do with with, uh, improving that end goal that you are the right person to pick. Do you have any tricks to help contestants understand if their answers are too short or too long? Every judge has had that moment where the contestant goes on and on and you feel like the interview's almost been hijacked from you. <laughs> like you wanted to be in control of the interview and, and the contestant is uh, doing paragraph upon paragraph and yeah. you're just excited to ask them more questions, but you're waiting politely for them to finish. And, and the truth is at that point, the judges stopped listening to you. They're just waiting for you to finish. They're thinking about their next answer. So I think, again, there should be a variety of lengths to your answers. And I learned a really great trick uh, that my coach taught me about how to do variety. Do you care to share? (laughs) (laughs) That's another pageant that I wanted to talk about, too. Yeah. See right there. So see, I, I stopped myself so that you were back in the in the interview with me. Mm-hmm. I stopped myself from talking for a long time. And then you naturally followed up on what I wanted to talk about. So what I wanted to talk about Hook, line, was, and sinker, you got me. Exactly, exactly. This is this and it is didn't a good feel way unnatural. To, it didn't feel unnatural either. Right. Exactly. This is what I want pageant contestants to do because you got five minutes or three minutes to get out who you really are but you want the judge to be involved in the conversation okay i'm finally going to get to it high gain and low gain answers high gain answers are moments that you're going to win a lot of points from the judge that you're going to win their heart you're telling a story about your platform low gain answers are if you were a tree what kind of tree would you be and why you know say something funny and get rid of it it's low gain Oak don't go on I'm about hardcore. Yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. Don't go oh hardcore, I love it. But don't go on and on about about what true tree you really are, right? Save your time. So high gain and low gain answers. Keep the judge involved in the interview with you. Leave those those endings and something that I'm changing to clickbait. You know clickbait on the internet? Yep. Do you want yeah. to talk about this? Well, I mean, clickbait is basically those, you know, 12 things you didn't know about Kim Kardashian. And then you go there and it's like an image and you have to click, keep clicking the right button. <laughs> it's in the page refreshes <laughs> and there's ads everywhere. So it's basically a very low value article that's made just to get you to click it because the title and image is catchy. Exactly. And a whole 45 minutes pass and you don't know where it left your life. But, um, but clickbait, I think that we can learn something in the pageant industry from it and flip it around to a good thing. Because if you know the points you want to get across in the interview and you want to drive the interview, it's important to drop those little phrases 
at the end of your sentence so that the judge will naturally follow up on what you want to ask about. So clickbait examples, like you said, you won't believe this. This blank will change your life. This blank will restore your faith in humanity. You know, what if you can use those at the end of your sentence and say, and you won't believe what just happened with my platform last week. Mm. Right? Yeah. They're going to follow up on that. And all of a sudden you have an opportunity to share what, what something amazing you've done. Yeah. And if anybody ever calls you out on it, like, oh, you're trying to lead us in, which I would guarantee would never would happen. It's like, well, I just didn't know if you wanted to hear about it. So, you know, you're controlling the interview. <laughs> so that's why I just left <laughs> it. It does give the judge the option to take the bait or not. Uh, they can go in a different direction. If they're not interested, they can ask you a different question. They can say, oh, I'd love to hear about that, but let's go here. Uh, so I like that it gives the judge the option, but then it steers where you want to go. And I think you and I have done enough mock interviews that sometimes you get a contestant and you think, I'm out of questions and we still have two minutes left. <laughs> I would, I, I love interviewing the contestant that's so easy to interview that it feels like there wasn't enough time. It just went in a blink because the conversation flowed and those, you know, clickbait answers at the end of your, of your answer can make this interview flow so well. The judge will remember that you were so easy to interview. Yeah. And if your entire life can be summed up in five minutes, <laughs> it's yeah it's not going to look good for you and i mean those contestants never score well just like if you're out on a date with a guy and the conversation isn't there and you flip it around and you know 10 minutes into that date you're like this is the most boring guy on the planet then <laughs> you're not going to have a follow-up date and it's no different than in the interview now okay so for those girls that are rambling on Mm -hmm. And then they catch themselves mid ramble. They're like, Oh God, I'm rambling. But then they cannot <laughs> stop themselves. What, what do you, what's the best way to just quickly wrap up that answer? Oh, I love those girls. I think that those girls, I think that's a better quality to have than to not have enough to say. And it's an easier problem to fix. I think, I think you should count your ands. If you're hitting two, three, four ands to your answer, then it's probably too many. But again, if it's a high game moment, you go ahead, lady. You go ahead and, and share from your heart. But if it's a low gain answer, remember, think to yourself, this is low gain. I got to just get rid of this and save my time. Now, what about if you're asked about something you just don't know about? A current event, a politician, something like that. What's the best way to respond? The way I like to handle this is to, and I think this is the same for controversial questions. They're very similar, something you don't know about in controversial questions, because both of those moments are going to create that little bit of panic moment in your mind and you think, oh no, here we go. Or have you ever been in that moment, Stephen, where, where there's an answer, a question coming at you and you think, I got nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> You think, oh, dear, I don't know what I'm going to say to this. But I think what the judge wants to see in that moment is how do you work through this? And the best way to do that with a controversial question 
is to acknowledge both sides. Say, I can see how some people think this. I can see how some people think this. And I respect both sides. My personal opinion is because you need to answer the question to some extent. And then again, to acknowledge both sides again. So it's kind of a sandwich. Acknowledge both sides, answer the question from your heart, and then acknowledge both sides. And that way, you won't alienate the one judge because if they're asking you a controversial question, you know that they have an opinion even while they're asking it. So make sure that you're, you're, you're being sensitive to both sides of the issue. If there's a question you just don't know, I think it's personally, I think it's fine to say, I haven't heard about this. Please, would you share with me a little bit more about it? And if they want to, they'll say, absolutely. Here's, here's what's happening. Here's the controversial thing that happened with it. What do you think about that? And then you can say off the top of my head or tell them that you're thinking right there in that moment that you haven't done preparation on this, but then uh, share your perspective on it. But I, I think that it's important to show that you can think your way through a question. Only share what you know. Don't ever fake it. Don't ever lie. Don't ever try to sound more knowledgeable than you are on the topic because you will be found out. So just say, here's what I know about this and then share that little portion. And then they can ask you follow-up questions from that. Yeah. And if you don't know, you can just say, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know if it's a yes or no. <clears throat> if they ask who's a particular politician in your state or whatever, and you're like, I'm sorry, I don't know. Now you should know that, but if for whatever reason you don't, maybe somebody just got elected or outgoing, et cetera. You can just simply say that. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, as a judge, if I'm, if I'm your judge in that scenario, I'm not going to disqualify you as a title holder because you don't know who your Senator is because that has no bearing. It's what would you call it? Low value, low, right? Low yeah. gain, yeah. low gain, mm -hmm. low gain, very low gain. Um, so I, it's not going to matter to me one way or the other. Now every judge is different, but for me, it's not. And I know some coaches don't like this, but I actually think it's it's fun to give that that um, answer of you know I'll do my research and I will get back to you on that. You know, right. <laughs> and I think I think it creates a moment of levity in that moment. And it's, you can only do it once. It's a card you can only play once, <laughs> but I think it lightens the interview back up when you don't know an answer. 100%. Now, if a contestant is allowed a closing statement at the end of the interview, what should she include in that closing statement? I have a bit of a formula for closing statements. And I think that giving a fact about your platform, if this is a platform-based pageant again, but sharing a fact and then sharing your personal connection and then what can be accomplished if you are given the crown and then finish by asking for the title. So four sentences, a fact, a person, your personal connection, what can be accomplished and ask for the title. I think that is a nice summary of what should have happened in the whole interview and it really solidifies again why you should be chosen and it will set you apart to ask for the title because nobody else is going to do that and if you do that they will think of you as a winner and another tip 
is to think a level up from where you are. If you're competing at a local pageant for a local title, city, county, talk about your passion for being that, that winner, but then also talk about being at the next stage and how you want to go on to win state or how you want to go on to win nationals because the contestant who comes in before and after you, they won't do that either. So show them that you are ready to be the next step. You're ready to be the queen before you even walked into that interview. Such valuable information, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, I know that the contestants and the girls who are listening to the interview, they can find you by going to thepageantplanet.com, clicking on find a coach, and then they'll see your profile in there and they can contact you directly through that. But if they want to go straight to your website or catch up with you on social media, how can they do that? I would love it. My website is sarahwallbeckman.com. And then I also have a Pinterest page under that same name. And you can even book me directly off of my website. And I can be booked for coaching or even just a simple mock interview if you just want to have a mock interview. So thank you so much. This is my passion. And thank you for letting me share my passion with you today. Want to ask your questions to the title holders and professionals we interview? Become a VIP girl today and get unlimited coaching from the pageant planet. Plus, ask as many questions as you'd like for only $47.